So as everyone knows, so my name is Rita. I was born in Angola and I was raised in Portugal. And I've also have spent a lot of time in Brazil, such a dear country to my heart. Um, my background is digital and media agencies. And then I transitioned into management consulting. And in the past two years, I have been contracting and freelancing in the space of digital and strategy, primarily with retail, FMCGs and tech companies. So in the last two years, I have traveled around 15 countries and I have worked with quite amazing clients and projects throughout this journey. Wow. Uh, Rita, you describe yourself as a digital and strategy freelancer, although some might interpret that as a digital nomad. Is there a difference between both of those terms? And uh, what is a digital nomad and what is a digital strategy freelancer? Yes, absolutely. I think this is such a great question. So from my personal view, I think being a freelancer and digital nomad, they're kind of separate things. A digital nomad for me is someone who might be a freelancer, contractor, self-employed, or even like full-time employee that has the ability to work or use technology or a laptop to perform their job effectively, fully remote. Um, digital nomads um, also tend to be quite location independent. So it can mean they can work from anywhere in the world. Um, on the other side, like a digital and strategy freelancer, it could be someone based in their home country, um, 12 months a year, they take a couple of holidays and they work uh, with a variety of companies depending on the length of each project or business challenge. Did, did you just wake up one morning and thought, I will travel the world, <laughs> leave my home? <laughs> Well, not really. Well, to be fair, I actually came um, from a family that we all had a little bit of a travel bug. So my dad worked in the airline space and industry for many, many years. So I was used to travel anyway. Um, and very fortunate, obviously, with all of those experiences. But in my case specifically, I didn't plan to become a freelancer or contractor or traveling more often than I was expecting. Um, what it did happen was back in 2021, I decided to take a sabbatical and move back to Portugal to spend time with my family. And believe it or not, just one week before my flight. So I have like um, left my accommodation, put everything on a storage, literally was leaving out of a suitcase. And I got a recruitment process reactivated with a large social media company to take a contractor position. So I was not expecting. I thought it was just going to be just another call, just another round of an interview. But I was super, super lucky. And I got the interview and the position on the spot. So the client stakeholders, the company, they were absolutely amazing. So they did allow me to actually take some time to reset and work remotely from Portugal. And from there, I actually started traveling. I got more contracts. All of them, they have been remote. So super, super lucky so far. Um, but I also spent quite a lot of time in the UK. Um, six months of my year, I'm in the UK, where I tend to split my time between London and beautiful Cornwall. Describe what you do then, just to bring it a little bit to life. Apart from all I've heard is Portugal, yep. Brazil, Cornwall. <laughs> and I'm just attracted to the locations. But it is work as well, isn't it? It's it's not just, you know, parties and pina coladas. Oh, absolutely. So I work primarily in digital transformation strategy and customer experience. So a lot of the roles that I have taken in the past on previous projects include program management, product owner, business analyst, 
typically my day to day, it's definitely a nine to five. So I think there's a lot of this uh, perception that contractors or freelancers, they work two hours a day. They then go to the beach and they're sipping cocktails. I would love if I could do that. I'm not at that stage. Uh, my contracts tend to be uh, full time and they demand and they expect a lot of um, senior stakeholder engagement and leading teams. Um, all of the projects, uh, they have been absolutely fantastic for my professional growth. I have been learning, learning a lot, and I love being part of their teams. Rita, give us some of the practical stuff that you need, because you mentioned suitcase and laptop, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's more than that. So what, what sort of tech? What, what do you need to organize? What about visas? What about tax? What about all the things that make this lifestyle possible and practical? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a good question. And so many people ask me that. I would say that you would have um, a couple of considerations before actually embarking into this lifestyle. So the things that I would think first is definitely your job. So thinking about the clients and the companies you want to work with, the type of projects, the pace of those projects, your exposure to stakeholders and teams, the environment, the culture, because all of that is really important to determine what kind of environment you need to be so you're actually performing your job productively and effectively. So as I said, like in my case, I do tend to work with corporates and blue chip organizations. So um, leading remote workshops or calls um, at um, sitting at the beach, it, it doesn't work for me. However, if you're a freelancer that you might be a ghostwriter, for example, a more relaxed environment might be absolutely fine. Um, and then the second one is thinking about uh, the business model for you as a freelancer and a contractor. So what is your pricing strategy? How many clients you wanna work for a year? What kind of uh, desired income you're kind of expecting to get um, every year? How many projects? What is the length of the projects you, you want to have? And then um, the third one, I would definitely say about all of these admin and practicalities that you need to kind of bear in mind uh, when you want to kind of embark on a digital nomadic lifestyle. So thinking about regions you want to go, the type of culture, uh, nomads, laws, taxes. Um, I typically work with umbrella companies. So regardless if my contracts are inside or outside, I only have my taxes processes with them just to make sure everything is in order. Um, and also kind of bringing kind of all kind of supportive tech that you might need to kind of make sure you look professional on a camera and you don't have connectivity issues. So I typically have three different chargers at least, just to make sure one of them in one fail. Um, I have an external camera as well. If lighting is not very on my side in the kind of accommodation I'm staying, and I have a portable um, internet um, kind of provider. So it's very, very helpful. You literally just put like a local SIM card and you can get 4G, 5G, obviously, anywhere in the world. What, what are the cons of the lifestyle? I, I hear a lot of pros, lots of nice places, amazing people, great lifestyle. Uh, but what are the cons? Oh, uh, I think there is definitely uh, a few cons like any other lifestyle. 
for me, what I feel, I think the logistics and organizing all of your accommodation can be pretty, pretty exhausting. So London, uh, it tends to be my home base. So if I need to go back to London um, for three months and two months, just finding something that it's affordable in my preferred locations, it can be very, very hard. Um, on the other side, when you're abroad, um, it can be hard a little bit sometimes to adjust to a very different time zone. So I had experience in working in the Middle East um, and it was absolutely fine. I was kind of starting working from 11 a.m. In the morning, I was going to the beach and then I will be finishing in the evening. And that worked really well for me. On the other side, when I was in South America, I was starting my day at 5.30 in the morning, absolutely sleeping and a little bit tired, to be honest. Um, but I still kind of enjoy it. And um, I think there's also a little bit of an aspect of being or feeling lonely sometimes. So if you travel by yourself, you also need to find communities. You need to find a way that you're going to network with people. They might have a similar lifestyle than yours. Um, otherwise, you just don't have anyone to talk with and you're just working with your client every day uh, or your clients. So it's just thinking about hobbies, experiences and just a way to keep uh, your life um, a little bit active for sure. And is there tips or advice you would give to someone in terms of both the consulting end as to how to get a client, what are good clients look like, the locations you go to? and the communities that you might jump into? Definitely. I think when it comes to client acquisition, I think this is very uh, bespoke, depending on the kind of field and the industry you're kind of working on. Um, for my case, and for the type of contracts that I'm pitching and I'm positioning myself, I find recruitment agencies my most valuable resource for sure. Uh, it takes time. To, to build a relationship, it, it takes time to kind of find them, but they do exist. And once you have built a repertoire with them, so you have a contract, you have an extension, your recruiter is going to be promoting you and encouraging you to get more contracts with them. So you don't need to be actively kind of um, pursuing things in the market, let's say, but you still have to do that job, I'm going to be honest. Um, the other tips that I'll give, like one, I think the most critical advices and what I talk about with people, they want to kind of um, take the leap in this space is being very, very clear about the services and the proposition and how you position yourself in the market. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I don't know what I do. I don't know what I can offer. You do know, actually, because if you look at your back experience, you're going to see transferable skills that you can bring to anything you want to do from a freelancing basis, for sure. But I think getting that clicked, um, it can take a while. It did take me a while, perhaps um, a year, and year and a half. And I think the reason behind that is because when you come from media, digital agencies, management consulting, which is a blend of everything, I thought I'm so generalist. But then I kind of figure it out based on the contracts that I was having and also my own professional development that I'm very suited for program management. I'm very suited to customer experience. Obviously, I have a lot of experience in FMCG and retail. So that's the space that I'm investing in my relationships um, and also on the projects that I want to work with. Yeah, because that is the interesting bit. You've talked about recruiters now and employers and bosses and colleagues and everyone else, as well as your local community. 
it feels like a lot of communication throughout the, <laughs> the, the end. What advice would you give to someone who's thinking of starting this lifestyle? Um, I think the first advice is definitely enjoy the journey. Um, I think I speak with a lot of people, and especially this week I have been speaking with a lot of people that want to start freelancing. And what I hear from them is that they want to do a huge career and lifestyle shift. Um, they kind of said, like, I, it's not that I don't like my job, but I don't necessarily want to be stick to the same thing for the next 10 years of my life. So if you want to start freelancing, um, you need to be clear about your motivations. If it's just going to be financial, yeah, but life should be more about financial and should be more about your income as well. So what exactly do you want to achieve for yourself, for your own personal growth? Enjoy, enjoy the journey, enjoy and live live outside of your laptop, live outside of your Netflix, live outside of your commuting time. And um, and then also be prepared, obviously, to kind of face ambiguity and kind of be able to be resilient. Things are not always to come like or happen um, according to your plans, but that's part of life. So you can always focus on actually what you can control. Um, the second advice I always tell is serve clients with the highest work ethics, commitment, respect, and be a team player. So at the end of the day, clients, they look for contingency workers because they need help. So it is our mission to help them, to give our best and kind of make sure we're kind of achieving all of the objectives that we might have discussed um, on interviewing stage or in a pitching phase. There must in addition to the lifestyle, be a wonderful financial benefit to this on the basis that presumably you could work in a much cheaper location and therefore your money would go further, or you could position yourself, Rita, in a much more friendly tax zone so that ultimately the disposable income that you have got to give you the financial freedom to allow you to explore more opportunities in that country exist as well. I choose the locations where I think there's going to be a benefit for me from a professional uh, perspective and a personal perspective. But I also recognize there's quite a lot of digital nomads that might choose other locations, um, Bali or cities in Vietnam, um, because obviously the cost of living is going to be a little bit cheaper. However, you also need to think about how many, uh, how often you're going to stay in that country, because you might be actually um, be in a position that you need to do a little bit of double taxing and you have to report your income as a foreign um, kind of income. I think that's kind of how it is. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's absolutely fine. It's whatever works best um, for people and what they think it's the, the best recipe, you know, in terms of money and places to live. Um, so, yeah, there's different models for everyone. Combination of everything. <laughs> to uh, Rita, how did people find out a little bit more about you and your lifestyle? Uh, so I do share a couple of stories sometimes on, on LinkedIn. So that's my my platform. That's where I kind of bring my voice, my authentic self. I talk about freelancing. I talk about remote working, digital nomadic lifestyles. And I share sometimes some stories of people that I meet, places that I have been, what I like, what I didn't like. Um, and also I have a separate platform, uh, which is Medium, 
where I share articles every month about innovation, technology, or just topics that really, really excite me. So if everyone wants to follow, we, we can then share some links.